Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. As we have been coming nearer to this uh, to this class, it's like the Lord is speaking from every angle about um, vision, about our vision, how we see ourselves, how we see each other, and how we see people out there, you know, and how the Lord sees us. So there's a lot of this, and I've I've heard it in everybody's sermons, everybody that's been preaching. Uh, there's been a reference to this. So there's so much. Um, my, my intimidation is whether or not I can articulate all of what uh, we need to get from this class. And I pray that we do um, because um, this class is not just going to be informational, but it is meant to get us motivational get us moving in a direction maybe um, at a more intense rate than we have been or maybe we've not been at all and we need to get ourselves moving in this direction. So um, I pray that the Lord will help us, help me and help us um, with this class. It's called, the class is called 2020 and the year is 2020. And how many would say amen that we've not ever seen a year like 2020 before? Now, if you were in the 9 o'clock service and you heard the pastor's sermon, it seems like maybe there's been some years that resemble 2020 before in the history of mankind. But we've not seen them. And um, I think, you know, I give kudos to the church. I feel like the church has, uh, the church worldwide has, although it kind of put us in a spin, but we have... We have come to our feet, and we, you know, the church has done well with what has been handed to us um, in the year 2020, so I, I do applaud that. But I pray that the Lord would help us to hear from this material written by Christine Kane. Now, I am not a Christine Kane, and I, I just wish I was. I mean, that would be fun to be able to speak like she does, but, um, but I want us to get the information from the material, um, but also that the Lord would open our eyes and our ears and teach us from all the sources that are around us uh, right now. And there are so many. You can learn from literally everywhere you look right now, this topic will uh, apply. So I pray that um, the Lord would help us to learn from all those sources. And uh, I pray that he would help us to see ourselves and uh, to see ourselves like he sees us. There, there's the key right there. And also to see others as he sees them. And then help us to um, see him clearly, see the Lord clearly. Because he's near and he's moving. He's there when we don't see him. He's there. Um, oh, man. Just, just a note. Just make a note. If you have any interest at all in Helen Keller and her story, and you have time, just kind of start looking at her, her life. There's even a movie about her, and 
it's going to come into play in a week or two in this um, in this study. And so, um, so interesting, so interesting what the Lord is going to say to us. I'm going to say it in bass, apparently, this morning instead of my alto normal voice. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, we will have, who, who does offering in here? Stuart, Stuart will do it for us. We'll have Stuart take your offering because I don't want to get in trouble and they won't let me teach anymore. If I don't take an offering. Yeah, pastor's sitting right back there checking. He's checking. <laughs> hmm. We'll ask Stuart if he'll pray. Amen and amen. So we know from many teachings, we know the, the issue of identity is what um, is so crucial in every life. If you've raised children, then you've talked about identity. If you um, have ever tried to help someone who was um, just making wrong choices or um, just couldn't seem to see themselves the way sometimes even everyone else sees them, then you, you're trying to get identity into somebody. You're trying to get them to see, see themselves. Um, sometimes we're trying to get people to see the world around them better. It's about seeing, and, um, and, and it's connected to identity. And so we're going to talk some about um, how identity is so critical. Um, there's a quote that says, You will either live up to or down to whatever you believe to be true, about yourself. You'll either live up to it or you'll live down to it. That's like um, electric. Like you, you can't hold on to that. That's, that is hot material right there. It's true for every single one of us. We will live up to or down to how we see and what we believe about ourselves. And those, um, those beliefs and that lens is formed and um, focused by many things, many outside things, the things that we uh, read or things that are said to us or done to us, all these things form and shape what we believe to be true about ourselves if we're not careful. And it can take a long time and hard work to come up out of a wrong identity, a wrong belief about yourself. And I'm just going to go jump ahead of myself, way ahead of myself, and say this. For the church, it can take some time and some energy and some work for us to come up out of how we see them, how we see them out there, and what we think about them. It's hard work. Now, how many of you took a card on this past Sunday when Larry Gregory was here? And he said, you know, you're going to invite someone. So... I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't go to work, I, but I don't know where I'm going to do it, but I'm gonna, I want to get somebody in my path, you know. And so I took the card, and I found it to be more difficult. I'm going to be straight up honest with you all. I found it to be more difficult 
than I thought it would be. I did encounter people in the grocery store and um, restaurants and things like that. Um, and, I, and I had them on my radar. I did at least get one thing right. So I did have them on my radar. Every now and then I would notice someone and I'd think, oh, maybe this is the person that I need to connect with. And I did do that at a couple connections, have a couple conversations. And my husband's probably laughing his head off because I'm that person. I check out. I don't have a conversation. I check out and I get out. I mean, and I'm, that's who I am, but I, I am open to be changed. But that is who I am. He'll say, did you see, when we were first married, he'd say, did you see uh, that cashier? Did you notice this or that? I'm like, no. I didn't notice. Was it a man or a woman? I don't know. I just checked out. I paid him. I left. So I did good. I did get some people on my radar this week, and I did have some conversation. But I also found, uh, being just, you know, full disclosure, I found it was not as easy to get to a point where it was comfortable to say, well, hey, why don't you come? I felt like it would take more than one encounter. And I'm okay with that. So I feel like as a church, we have to be honest about what's really going to work and what's not. So there may be times where you can quickly have that encounter and invite that person. But there may be other times where, you, you know, I may need to go back to Kroger Deli a couple of times because there was a woman there who just kept talking to me. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm on this. But it never was the right time to say, would you come? Would you like to come to church? But I know where she works. So now, you know, I will visit the Kroger Deli and keep my eyes open. Sandwiches, that's right. <laughs> so, but I think it's, it's important that we say, okay, how is it that we see them out there? And what is it that we think we're going to do? to reach those people. We're just going to walk up to them and say, oh, I see you look sad today. Here's a card. Why don't you come to my church? That's not how that's going to go down. So we have to get honest and real about what's really going to work and how we're really going to approach the world that needs Jesus. So how you see yourself, what you believe about yourself, comes uh, from every kind of uh, thing around you, but it's very consequential to the unfolding life story to your life story. It's how you believe yourself to be, how you see yourself. The word see is to perceive with the eyes, to look at, to view, to visit or attend as a spectator. That's like seeing a movie or something. And sometimes we do kind of do that with our lives, don't we? We're like, well, I'll just stand over here and watch it. And let me just watch and see what happens. That doesn't work well. We need to be very present in our lives. Um, but this is the one that applies the most. To recognize, discern, envision, or understand. So how you see yourself is not as much about what you see with your eyes when you look in the mirror as it is about what you recognize about yourself and what you discern about yourself, what you even understand about you, where, what you're meant to be, what fingerprints are on your life, what's your potential. You know, we have to get that kind of vision of ourselves if we want to be effective in, in this world. Um, so it's, it's a lot of other senses, not just our eyes, that we're going to see ourselves with. So 
perhaps the first clue, she says, perhaps the first clue that we get in life that perception can be off is when someone else doesn't perceive us how we perceived ourselves. All of a sudden, you get treated differently than how you thought you should have been treated based on what you thought about yourself. Somebody else looked at you and thought, well, you're, you're not important, you're insignificant, or, you know, they, they marginalized you, they devalued you. Uh, maybe they didn't even notice you, me and the cashier. See? I, you know, may, maybe they overlooked you. Maybe they completely just went on with their day and did not notice you. Maybe they didn't notice, maybe it was at work, and they didn't notice that you deserved a raise and you deserved a promotion, Right? That's happened uh, to most people. So when that happens, it speaks to us. It says something to us. And we think, well, maybe I'm not um, as good as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as important as I hoped I was or those kind of things. You know, we conclude something. and We think, well, they overlooked me because of my gender. Maybe they're looking for a, a man for that job. Or my, uh, my age, uh-oh, I'm not in the right age group for that. So we start to, we, they just overlooked us. They just did one thing. But we started saying, oh, it's because I'm not this and I'm not that. Or I am too old or I am the wrong uh, education level. I'm not at the right station in life. I could never get, I could never get in this group because I'm not in the right station in life. So we start putting some identity on ourselves based on somebody just simply overlooking us or treating us in a, in a way that we were not expecting to be treated. Sometimes, how many, we got a lot of moms in here, so moms, do you know that you can get uh, kind of condescended to based on being a stay-at-home mom or a working mom? <laughs> you can't win on that. Or sometimes, and, and this always breaks my heart, you weren't able to become a mom, and you take on an identity about that. You start to say, well, this is how people think of me because I stay at home with my kids or because I go to work and leave my kids or because, hey, I couldn't have any kids. And it's just there are scenario after scenario where we do this to ourselves. We all painfully remember the times we had hoped to be picked first, but instead we were picked last. And then gym class just pops up in your mind, doesn't it? Or sometimes we weren't picked at all. Sometimes we thought we were going to get that date or that mate or that job or whatever, and we didn't get picked at all. And those things have spoken to us and become part of how we see ourselves. And the reason we're going to talk so much about how we see ourselves is because um, you can't see others clearly if you're not seeing yourself clearly. There's a scripture in the Bible I should have put in my notes, and it's it's uh, we refer to it as first position. It's the scripture that says, "Freely you have received, freely give." So. Freely you have received is your first position. It should be, as Christians, it should be our constant first position. We should constantly be at His feet, constantly in His Word, constantly in His presence, 
because receiving is going to determine what we have to give out. We cannot give out from what we haven't received. And it works that way with this. What, what we cannot give to somebody out there who needs identity is identity if we don't have it. If we're not seeing ourselves the way the Lord sees us, then how are we going to tell them who they are when the devil, the world, sometimes their peers, their parents, whatever, are telling them who they're not? And they need us to be able to say, but this is who you are. And therefore, we need to know who we are. And we need to be okay with it. We need to be able to be okay with it. And it's so hard. It really is so hard to kind of compliment yourself or, or accept something good about yourself. Don't, don't be like, we're much quicker to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm overweight or I'm under tall or I'm, you know, <laughs> uh, that old thing, I, that dress. Somebody says, I like your dress, and you're like, that old thing? No, it's okay. You've got to be okay with yourself so that, and it, it's not... It's not for the purpose of building you your pride. It's for the purpose of making you able to do something else, to to put the focus off of you and put it on somebody else. Because you're not you're secure. You know who you are. You know how God sees you. You know who, what you're meant to be, what you're meant to do, and in that confidence is where we are most effective out there. It's that first position. I never did explain that to you. For for me, like first position means it's like when you play piano. Or um, now I didn't. I never did ballet, but I think if you do ballet, there's first position. It's where you start. And is it where you finish? Does anybody know? It's not where you finish. If in piano, first position is your first chord. So if you're playing in the key of C, you're going to put your hand on the C chord. You're going to play a lot of other notes within that song that go with that chord. But it's always going to resolve back to that C chord. It always does. So it's first position. That's what we call it. And that's where we got to be with the Lord and with our identity. Lord, speak into me. Identify me. Remind me who I am because of what you've done. Remind me who you made me. And I can be okay with that. I don't have to be proud of that. I can be grateful and I can be, um, you know, confident when I remember that it's him who made me. And so that gives me something to give to somebody else. Amen. So those moments, I just want to make sure I don't leave anything out. So if I repeat, that's why. Those moments, the unseen moments, send a clear message to our souls, one that we often spend much time overcoming, and we did talk about that. Even Jesus, this is so interesting, even Jesus experienced people not seeing him for who he was. Did you ever think about that? They did. The religious leaders didn't even know who he was. Um, Simon ate dinner with Jesus. Like, he sat next to the Messiah at dinner, and he didn't know who it was. He's got to be embarrassed for eternity. <laughs> Just, <laughs> but it's true. 
Um, Steve, if you'll put Matthew 13, 54 on the screen, 54 through 58. Let's look at that. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? 55. It is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence hath this man all these things? They didn't. He was in his own country. He was in wherever he lived, but they didn't get it. They completely overlooked him as far as who he really was. They said, oh, isn't that that carpenter's son? And that's all they could see. All they could see was his real-life brothers and sisters around him. They could not see. Although he was doing miracles in the other countries. If you go ahead with that, that story, it says he could not do them in that place. He could not do many miracles because they couldn't see him. They limited. Now, let's be clear. They didn't change who he was. They just limited the potential of what he could do right then and right there because they did not, uh, they did not know who he was. We see that from the least to the greatest that have walked on the earth, the experience of being unseen or misidentified is common to all. So at least we've got that right. Everybody in this room, we know it's happened to all of us. We've all been misidentified. We've all been overlooked or even just uh, unseen, just invisible. And that's how it makes you feel. Um, one of the, the homework assignments for this class was to identify the feelings that it made you have. Did you feel unimportant or um, less than? You know, did you feel abandoned or left out? There's so many feelings that come with those kind of uh, identities that get, get put on us. I don't care if it was gym class or, you know, the promotion at work. We have to be careful because feelings come along and start saying things that... We don't need, we don't need that. We don't have time for that because it takes time to work through that once you've accepted all of that, that we call it baggage, and it becomes baggage. When you let the feelings start say, saying, well, that means you are unimportant, unimportant, you are rejected, you are not good enough, you are not enough. And we've taken something on us that we didn't need at that point. Jesus knew his identity. Thank God he knew. Um, he knew who he was, and he knew where he came from. And that's what we've been talking about, that first position. When you, if you've been in first position before you go out there, then you're going to know because you're, you've already heard from God today. You've already been in his presence. You've already been reminded that he's with you, that he loves you, that he's your father. And then you go out and somebody overlooks you or misidentifies you. And it's not going to take, it's not going to latch on as much as if you didn't have that moment that 
before you went out there, you know, or you don't have that deep knowledge within you. Let's look at John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth. I can't say that word. Jesus said unto him, I have been, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Jesus said, can you not tell that I'm all tangled up in my Father? Like, surely, I'm, I don't know if Jesus had a moment where he was like, am I not, am I not getting, am I not articulating here? <laughs> you know, he said, everything I do, I do it because I, I heard the Father do it, say it, or I saw the Father do it. Do you, are y'all not getting that, Philip? Have I been with you this long and you still don't feel like you know the Father? Jesus' identity was all tangled up in the Father. He came from the Father. He was going back to the Father. He was talking to the Father every day on the earth. He was stealing away in prayer. He was doing the business even at 12 years old. He said, I've got to be about my Father's business. He was doing what? He knew the Father wanted him to do. He was all about the Father. And so he was a little bit, I don't know what his tone was, but he said, Philip, I've been with you a long time. Are you sure you haven't seen the Father in me? Because that's what I'm about. That's really who I am. He looked like the Father. He talked like the Father. He did what the Father said, did what the Father did. And he knew who he was. It was so important that he knew who he was because, you know, some people wanted to say, he's just the carpenter's son. Some people wanted to say, well, he's just one of those, those kids. I know his sisters. I know his brothers. And one person said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? See, people, people didn't want to just talk about him being the Messiah. They wanted to talk about who he wasn't and what he wasn't and what his limitations were. Um, but Jesus knew. And I'm so thankful. Um, I didn't put it in my notes, but I love that um, even right before Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days, God, God spoke over him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he reaffirmed him even at that moment. I'm sure God knew exactly what was going to come. But And God will do that. I wanted to make that point. God will remind you. And thank, thank God that he reminds us. Sometime in his, sometimes in his presence, he just comes near. You feel him near. You feel him, and you're reminded. I'm loved by the Father. That's part of who I am. That's not just something I have in my purse. That's part of who I am. I'm loved by the Father. He designed me. He knit me 
I'm getting way ahead of myself. We have a, um, a clip that I want you to watch this morning from Priscilla Shire. Um, and it's on identity. And I just wanted, um, it was so good. I didn't want to just tell you. I wanted you to hear it from her. So, Steve, if you'll just play it until I pop up here and, and stop it. It's an hour long, so we can't do it all. But I'll give you the title so you can look it up later if you want. Amen. Amen. I know you want to hear the rest of that. Uh, so I will tell you, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and it's called Identity Identity in Christ. But amen. Isn't it an, a great reminder today that we only one has the authority, the real authority to label and identify us. Only one person, only one being rather, has died for us and and spoken and breathed life. Not only life, uh, life's breath, but eternal life into us. He has breathed and, and gave his son and gave his life that we would have life abundantly and eternally. There's only one who could, and there's only one who did. And so everything else, everything else has to bow to that. Everything else has to take a back seat to that. And so many times we let, you know, we take on a nickname, or we let, we let everything around us call us this and call us that, until the point that we become identified like she did by DK for four years of her life. And, you know, thankfully that was not a harmful thing. But we do it. We do it. And not only do we do it to ourselves, we do it to them out there. We see them and we say they're this, they're this, and they're this. Amen? But that's not who God created them to be any more than it's who he created us to be. And so we don't need nicknames, and we don't need to put nicknames on people out there. We need to have the truth in our mouth, the truth that says, you know, I'm chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. Amen. I'm adopted. I've been brought in. I've been grafted in. I've been knit together and formed in my mother's womb. I was not a mistake. Amen. I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't born the wrong way. I am who he said I am. I'm, I am who he created me to be. I'm never lost in the crowd. His eyes are on me all the time. Amen. I'm never alone. I'm never forsaken. Our verbiage has got to change about who we are. We're so quick to talk about these little nicknames and these labels that get put on us. But how often do we say, I'm never alone. I could never be forsaken by this God. I am delivered and healed and redeemed and protected. I'm kept. There are everlasting arms underneath me. I'm an overcomer. In fact, I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. We have to change our verbiage. We have to. Why do we have to? Can't we just know it in here, but let all everyone else call us DK? No, ma'am. No, sir. We can't do that. 
Because what they need to know about us and what we need to know about us, what we need to hear about us, what we need to personify is who we really are. Because the nicknames that we get are not harmless. They're not harmless. They're debilitating. They hinder. They slow us down. They prevent. So it's not okay. It's not okay for me to take on a nickname and be held back by it by four, for four years or a season of my life. I've got to remember who I am. I've got to come to the realization that he picked me up. He died on a cross for me. He gave his life's blood for me. And from the moment I was conceived, he had a plan and has a plan for me. I am not just flapping around in the wind. There is a plan for my life. And so this is what we need to get our verbiage changed to. How, how late am I? Ooh. Even our weakness is not a liability. Even, um, I've labeled myself an introvert for many years. Others have seconded that motion. But even that, even whatever that is with you, that's not a liability. You just give it to God. You just bring it to Him and say, well, my personality, my makeup, my, my approach, Lord, I just give it to you. Because you created me, you made me, and I want you to use it. God, just use it. If it's a fear I have, I want you to overcome it. I want people to look at me and say, wow, I know she's scared to de death to get up and speak in front of a crowd, but I see God moving in her or whatever it may be. I'm just using myself for an example. But whatever your weakness is, you give it to God. He'll take it. He'll turn it, and he'll use it. He'll use it to speak to somebody else. Amen. Um, quickly, I want to remind you of Gideon. Steve, did I give you Judges 6, 11, and 12? I want to remind you, and if you've been in church forever, you know the story of Gideon. He's getting ready to go into battle with only 300, was it 350 or 300 men against a large army, against all odds. And, but he's hiding at this point. It says, and there came an angel of the Lord... And set under an oak, which was in Orpah, Oprah, that's what it looks like, that pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So he was hiding. He's threshing his wheat, but he's hiding. Because the Midianites keep coming back, and they keep taking all of their stuff, including their wheat. So he doesn't want them to come back and get the wheat. He's doing it in hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, what? Thou mighty man of valor. Wait, angel, did you not see that he's hiding? He's over here hiding. He's not, he doesn't look mighty. He's in hiding. But the angel said, Thou mighty man of valor. That's who you are. That's who you were created to be. That's what you're called to in this moment. You're not going into this battle hidden. And it's interesting, and, and she makes the note too, that God found him when he was trying not to be found. He knew right where he was. Amen. And so Gideon was hiding, but the Lord came by and said, or the angel of the Lord came by and said, 
the Lord, first of all, the Lord is with you. Even here, even now, thou mighty man of valor. You are not how you feel. That's not who you are. That's just how you feel. But you are what God says you are. And I'm so thankful that the Lord will remind you. He'll come by in a service and speak a word. Or he'll send somebody your way or he'll send a song your way or a podcast or something. And he'll remind you. Listen, God is for us. And I think it's pastor that says if he wasn't for us, we'd been out of here by now. We could not have withstood. God is for us. And so... um, All of these things that he's made us to be, that's who we really are. And these other things, they're lying to us. They come our way and they seek to become our little nickname, our label that we wear. And we let everybody call us that. We don't need to be doing that. If we'll remind ourselves, if we'll get back in first position every day, the word will tell you who you are. Time in His presence will tell you who you are. And when we know it, and then somebody comes by and says, Hey, DK, we're going to be like, No, that's not who I really am. I'm really blood-bought. I'm really redeemed. I'm really an overcomer. I'm really hopeful. I really have joy unspeakable in my life. And we don't succumb to those labels and nicknames. I like this. It says, when you cannot trace his hand, trust his heart for you. Don't ever forget that God is for you. If you're not seeing what he's doing, just lean into his heart. Lean into the knowledge and the truth that God is for you. He's even working all things for your good. Amen. I think I'm supposed to read one more scripture here. Oh, what time am I supposed to? dismissed. I'm going to I'm going to read you one one quick story and then and we will close. This is Christine Kane talking. Christine, her mom asked, "Since we're telling the truth, would you like to know the whole truth?" I was 33 years old at that time. I had raced over to her house to intervene in what I just knew couldn't be true. My brother George had received a letter from social services saying he was adopted and that his birth mother wanted to contact him. I walked in Mom's front door just as George was handing her that letter. I'll never forget the way her hands started to shake, the fear that filled her eyes, the loss of words, the tears that began to flow endlessly from us all, George and his wife Kathy, Mom and me. She really didn't need to read the letter. She already knew what was in it. When she finally found her voice, I could hear her heart breaking. I'm so sorry you found out like this, George. We never meant to hurt you. Your dad loved you. I love you. I couldn't have loved you more if I'd given birth to you myself. As her words kept tumbling out, we could only listen. Dad made her promise never to tell. They agreed it was best. They wanted George to have a wonderful life, knowing he was fully loved and wanted without an inkling of rejection. 
Her words were so beautiful, loving, and sincere, and so full of devotion. I remember heading into the kitchen and spreading the table with food. Because there's only one way Greek families solve every kind of problem, we eat. As we all moved toward the table, the same table where George and I and our younger brother Andrew did our homework, played board games, and laughed and joked for decades, Mom shared more of the story. The more she talked, the more she seemed relieved of this terrible, heavy burden. And it helped us to begin wrapping our minds around what seemed so inconceivable. It was then, it was when I reached for the baklava that Mom asked that all-telling question. And somehow I knew, searching her eyes for the answer, wanting it to be anything other than what I was thinking, I found myself saying it for her. I was adopted too. I was grown, a married woman, 33 years old, and I was learning for the first time that I wasn't who I thought I was. I wondered what else wasn't real, how many more secrets there were. The funny thing is, all of the things that could have popped into my head and out of my mouth, I asked, am I still Greek? It was the comic relief we all needed on one of the toughest days of our lives together. And what I said next, here's what I want you to hear, and what I said next astounded me even more, but it reflected the previous decade of my life, years in which I had spent time learning the word, renewing my mind, and giving my heart to Jesus. I said, before I was formed in my mother's womb, whoever's womb that was, God knew me. He knit together my innermost parts and fashioned all my days before there was even one of them. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Even though I've only just found out I was adopted, God has always known it, and He has always loved me. And since that hasn't changed, nothing has changed. I may not be who I thought I was, but I still am who he says I am. I am more, I am loved, and I am his. I love it. There's more to it, but I don't have time. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.